I got you laughing already, which is great, because we're going to go back into the book of James, and we're going to go through a really fun passage. Um, so for those of you that don't know me, I'm, my name is Brian. Um, I'm, I uh, attend here with my family, my, my wife, my four kids, um, and I get the chance sometimes to come up here and lead worship. But this week, um, Tyler, is, Pastor Tyler, is getting a well-deserved three-day weekend with his family. They're, they're down, I think, visiting family in Oregon, hanging out on a beach. Um, so uh, we're just so excited that he gets to do that. But but I'm, I'm so thankful because I, I love for the chance to, to get to, to study in the Word and share with you guys. And so I'm, I'm really, really thankful to, to, be, to be able to hear, to hopefully bless you guys with, with some of the Word from the book of James. Um, and so as, as you might remember, last week we wrapped up the second chapter of James, um, talking about faith and works. And James was, was, has been writing in the book of James to um, the early church and, and challenging them on, hey, faith is, is being more than just, you know, just believing. But, but if we have faith, there's, there's, a, there's a response, a living response that we have to belief. And, and if you remember from last week, he talked about Abraham's faith being active together with his work. And, and Rahab's faith is, is, is justified by its works. And so today we're going to see kind of the next thing that he says. So it's when he was writing the letter, um, it's not like he was like chapter three of my letter. Um, it just probably was like next paragraph. And so it, 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 it's a continuation. And, uh, and so he's going from what let's prioritize faith and works to, hey, let's talk a little bit about some of what that faith and works looks like. And, and he's going to show us some of the true change that God does inside of us. And, and that's made complete by the, what we do here in this world. And, and I think it's interesting that, that James doesn't follow up his, his argument for, hey, faith has to have works with a, a detailed list. So he doesn't say, hey, you need works. And okay, so side note, here's, here's the list of chores that you need to go do now. Um, rather, his focus is, is kind of on wisdom and understanding of what will lead to spiritual maturity about living a life that pulls us deeper into looking more like Jesus and, and in doing so bringing us closer to Jesus. Therefore, that's where, where he continues his instruction by building up our understanding and our wisdom. And, and the wisdom that we're going to see is, is going to be one that's revealing of a, a dangerous piece of who we are and a potential sin um, and hurt that, that it wields. Not because the, the Bible or, or, or James in this letter is looking to, to shame us, um, but as we're going to see, you know, he's going to even, he starts it off saying like, hey, we all stumble in many ways. Um, but rather, he's, he's revealing to us what, what's called a restless evil that if tamed is, is the key to controlled living. Controlled living of who we are in Christ and of how we are called to be so that our works and our faith might be able to further thrust our life closer to Jesus, closer to our Father. A control that helps us to be used for God by what he wants us to do, not, not what we want to do. A control that helps us to, to be a part of the growth that is the church. This church, the, the church of, in our community, the church in our state and in our city, teaches us to love our neighbors, to bring kindness, to bring joy, to have joy. But in, in order for us to have this kind of hope and joy and closeness, Scripture reveals in today's passage that we need to, to be aware of and address this danger and the sin that lives inside of us and the ways in which we can easily bring hurt, pain, and destruction if we're not careful with it. And so James 3, the first 12 verses say this. 
Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that you will receive a stricter judgment. Who else wanted to, to preach that this morning when Tyler wasn't here, right? Oh, yeah, Tyler, I'll take that one for you. I got you. Maybe that's why he took this week off. No, I'm just kidding. That's not why he took this week off. <laughs> for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does as he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out, pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt water spring yield fresh water. Let's pray before we move on. God, we, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we get to come and, and to hear your word, Lord. And sometimes we, 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 hear, we hear stories in your, in your word, God. Sometimes we, we hear about, about, about the future, the past, or who, who Jesus is, or, or what we're called to believe in. And today we have a chance to hear about the wisdom of how we should live. Wisdom about a danger that is in our lives. And God, I pray that you would remind us as we go through this today who we are in Christ. That we would remember that, that when we're pointed towards seeing something that that in us is, is, is not always awesome. An area of sin or an area where, where maybe we've hurt others or been hurt by others, God, I pray that you would remind us as we go through today of who Jesus is and that he has come and died for our sins. And, and, and as we believe in him, he has redeemed us, God. May we not forget that. But also, Lord, I pray that you would help us to take seriously these words. That, that we would say, yeah, these might be tough ones, but we need to hear it. We want to hear it because we want more of you. And so I pray that we would experience that today, Lord. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So today's passage has a pretty clear message for us. The tongue is dangerous. It says the tongue is a small part of the body. It gross, boasts great things. Okay, could I have a water bottle back there? And I, could you, Brent's going to get it for me? Awesome. Sorry to interrupt there. I didn't drink enough water. I drank too much coffee. That's what it was. I got up early, two cups. Oh, and Tiffany's coming up. Let's give it up for Tiffany Shields. Woo-woo! Thank you so much. Oh, sorry. I just read the tongue as a fire, and I was like, man, yeah. I'm really parched. Okay, jumping back in. So the passage says the tongue is a fire. The tongue is, is a world of unrighteousness. It stains the whole body. No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless the Lord and curse those made in his image. It's easy to, to see pretty quickly that, that, that James's follow-up to faith plus works is not like a list of like, go get them. Um, it, it's, it's a pretty, pretty heavy piece of like, hey, there's some danger that can take place. And that danger is, is, is a part of you. 
And, and he knows that as much as we cry out, God, teach me to do your will, that, that we, what we need sometimes in that moment is to know what part of us can derail us from doing God's will. And to quote Alec Motyer, he says, the tongue is the key factor in controlled living. And we ask ourselves how, are, how we are to control the powerful forces within us that drive us to sin. And James replies, do we control the tongue? The tongue is the key factor in consistent living. And that's why, I mean, if you remember a few weeks ago in chapter 1, we saw it said, if anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. The tongue is, is very dangerous. And if you haven't figured it out yet, the writer James is not actually talking about your literal tongue necessarily, okay? Uh, he's not just talking about your mouths, okay? Rather, he's, he's talking about word. He's talking about speech. He's talking about the things that you say, the things that, that come out of your mouth. And you see, when this, when this letter was written, the majority of those that were receiving it um, weren't actually reading it. Yes, it was written as a letter, but most of the people who received it weren't reading it. And, and that's because many of them couldn't read. And that, that means that this passage, for, for most people, they were hearing someone else read it to them. They were hearing it spoken. And I think that, that that's valuable to see that context there, that, that it's, it's talking about the tongue and the word of mouth, because most people, that was how they were receiving information. And I bring that up because I think in this day and age, this passage, we, we need to add a little bit extra to it. A little bit extra to, how, to what we, we can see of how some of this danger is coming out. Because today's context is different because not only can we speak from our mouths, but most, if not all of us, can also read. Most of us can write. Most of us can text. We can email, we can comment, we can, we can TikTok and memo and, and FaceTime. We can, do, we can do all of those things. So when we go through this passage, and as we're going to go through it today, uh, we're going to be talking about taming the tongue and taming our mouths, but I think that we should keep those other things in mind. Can, can we kind of agree on that? I know some of you are like texting right now, and you're like, eh, it's not my tongue, I can say what I want. Um, so when he says tongue, let's just be like tongue and thumbs, Okay. All right, I think we, we can, we, we're all agreeing on that because the big picture is Christians, we, 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 all, we all make a lot of mistakes. And we, we, we know that, that a lot of those mistakes are things that we say, and we know that they aren't just things we say with our mouth. It doesn't take long to go on Facebook and scroll through a comment section or remember a text that was sent or, or an email from your boss or maybe an email that you sent as the boss or in reply to your boss and be like, yeah, that was not a good idea. Because among these sins of speech, there, there, there are things like hasty words and deceitful statements and, and passive remarks or sly suggestions or, or gossip or innuendos or impurity or name-calling, and those are not just limited to our mouths. And the list is long, and, and, and some of you might already have been thinking of some of the things that have been said to you or some of the things that you've said. You might be hearing everything we're talking about here, and you're already like, Brian, this is an impossible task. I've read this passage before, and like... It ain't happening. But there, there, there's encouragement at the beginning of it. And, and, and I emphasized it before, but I want to read it one more time before we go through this passage as a whole. In the second verse, it says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. So we see two things here. We say, hey, we, we can stumble, and hey, there's a possibility that we actually can do a heck of a lot better, too. The Bible oftentimes reveals these, 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 what I think are beautiful little reminders of the cross. 
and, and we're going to see a couple more today. And it, it's these moments where it's like, hey, like we are sinners. We are broken. Our, our state of sin is, 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 is offensive to God, and we're not worthy of him. Yet, yet, despite we've stumbled, Jesus came into this world. He died for our sins, and he rose again, and he says, whoever believes in me has eternal life and is washed clean and is justified before the Lord and is no longer seen as offensive. And, and when we're redeemed to him, there is a path to a healthier, more Christ-like way of living, a controlled way of living. So when we go through this section of Scripture that is often called the, the taming of the tum, tongue, we, we cannot forget who we are in Christ. We cannot forget that when it says we all stumble and there's a way that we can control our bodies and be more complete, that in Christ that, we can, that, that those things can be true. I can't reach both ways with the microphone. Almost dropped it there. But that's why taming the tongue is so important, because as, as God has designed us, it is by works that our faith is every day made complete here on earth. For in giving our lives to Christ, he says, let's be close. Not, God doesn't want to be your pen pal. He doesn't even just want to be your neighbor. He, he wants to be the closest of anyone. He wants to, to call you friend. He actually, I'll tell you, he calls you friend. He calls you a child of God. He draws so near that he sends his own spirit to dwell in us eternally, to guide us, to comfort us in life. And he says life, that he wants you to live in, in just complete relationship with him. And it is by doing his works and growing in spiritual maturity that we can break further from our old self and closer into our new spirituality that becomes mature in our relationship with our Lord and Savior. And, and as we see today, controlling the tongue, controlling the words we say, it's a huge part of that taking place. So if I can quote Alec Motyer one more time, and I think this one's going to pop up. It, he said, the control of the tongue is more than evidence of spiritual maturity, but it is a means to it. And that, let that be the encouragement today. So if you're like, man, Brian, I say a lot of dumb things that I shouldn't say. That's okay, because it is not only a sign of spiritual maturity, it is a means to it. We can go and say, well, let's do this for tomorrow, let's do this for today, and let's move forward. So with spiritual maturity in mind, and equipped with the grace of God, let's, let's see what, what this passage teaches. Let's, let's dive in a little bit more. And, and what we're, where we're going to start is the first detail of the tongue that is addressed is this idea that it is, it is powerful and it is steering our lives being able to influence our whole being despite its size compared to the rest of the body. <clears throat> so verses 3 through 5 say, Now if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. This first section reveals to us the impact that our words have on the direction of our life. Greater than any part of our body, our words will define who we are and how others see us, the path we're going to take. And that's because things that you say have a great influence on the direction of your life. And this is important because I think it can be easy sometimes to, to downplay the impact that words can have on who we are. Or, or maybe we can think like, oh, I can always kind of get out of whatever I've said. If I say something that takes me this way, I can always maneuver back. We like to think that, that we can get away with saying things we probably shouldn't. 
that, that they won't have much influence on who they are. It's okay that I said that. It's, it's not going to change too much. It's not going to change where I'm going. Maybe, maybe it's a careless word that you, you say for a laugh. And we were just like, oh, hey, it was, it was just a joke. It was just a joke. It's all good. Let's get back on track. I, it was just a joke. Or maybe a, an impulsive response. You, you didn't really consider whether it was wise to say. Maybe, maybe it's the moment where, where there's something that we feel convicted about and, and we feel angry and we're like, you know what? People need to know the truth. Or, or maybe we're just speaking with the intent of being kind, but we're not really thinking about what other people would hear, how, how that might sound to someone else. I know in my experience, there's, there's been a lot of times where, where I think what I have to say is, is kind of the exception to the rule of, of be careful with your words. Your words can have impact. Those moments where I'm like, I know we're not normally supposed to talk like this and make that kind of comment, but, but my circumstance is unique, guys. My circum you don't, you don't know this circumstance. Or, or, or maybe for me of greater quantity in my past, embarrassingly, and if, if you've known me well, you might know this one is, is true, but, but can I just go with the flow and say what I'm feeling? Like, if I say something stupid, like, we'll get over it. It'll be okay. Like, I didn't, I didn't mean to be hurtful. But wh whether it's complaining or, or gossip or anger or, or making fun of people or inappropriate jokes, I, I, if I say it, it won't really have an impact. I can fix that. I can keep that clean, right? I can kind of maneuver out. I, I feel like my words, the way that I see my words sometimes, it's like, <clears throat> it's like I view them as Vin Diesel's character, Dominic Torito from The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> has anyone seen Fast and the Furious? Josh Nelson has. For those of you who don't know, Fast and the Furious, there's like 10 of them that have come out in the last like 20 years. So if you've watched a new movie in the last 20 years, it's like a one in five chance it was a Fast and Furious movie. Okay. <laughs> But, but the Fast and the Furious movies, I should have got a picture of Vin Diesel up here. But it's, it's just a bunch of guys with, they're just muscled out, guys and gals, and they've got fast cars, and they're just always somehow getting into shenanigans with the police, with, with drug dealers, with, with kingpins, who knows what. And, and But they always get out of it, even, even no matter what situation they put themselves into. And that's kind of how I feel about my words. Like, I'm in a situation, and, and I'm just like, I'm going to get out of this. And there's this great line in one of the movies, and, and, and one of the guys is like, man, like we're, kind of like, we're kind of in a sticky situation. And the other guy's like, let's do what we always do. Let's improvise. And like, that's in my head. I'm just like, as I'm saying stupid things, I'm like, it's okay, I'll, I'll improvise. And I just, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to describe a scene to you that, that is kind of the reality of what's going on in my head, but this is a real scene in a real movie. And Vin Diesel's character, Dominic Toretto, is driving his partner, Michelle Rodriguez, I don't, I don't remember what her character's name is, and they're driving, and the bad guys are all around them, and just, this is my words, right? I'm saying things I probably shouldn't have, getting in trouble, and they're driving on a bridge, and they, there's no way out. They've made the mistake. Everything's going to be bad, right? No, they find a way. Dominic turns the car and he launches it off the bridge and there's a crane there with the hook and the car tilts just perfectly and it hooks onto the crane and, and it swings around and then it unhooks perfectly and they land on a road on the side of a cliff like a quarter mile away and they drive away. <laughs> and Dominic looks at Michelle Rodriguez and they're like, whoa, like we made it out of that. 
And and I just I like that's me sometimes when I'm talking. I'm like I'm gonna I'm just if I improvise, I'll I'll talk my way out of this. And I just I have to tell you, I have to burst your bubble. Scripture at no point tells you you should take that risky road. At no point is Jesus like, yeah, just like do the crazy stuff. You'll probably find a way to like jump off the bridge and and land on the road. No, like that's like as much as I would like to think like, yeah, I can get out of this. Like I am not one. I'm not Dominic Toretto. I don't drive a super sweet classic muscle car. Um, But 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 in all seriousness, though, at, at no point does Jesus say like this is the way to go. He doesn't say, hey, guys. Say what you're feeling and just be ready to maneuver in case you get in a sticky situation. Like, as you probably figured, that character doesn't drive the speed limit much in the shows. And I'm going to be honest, when it comes to your words, Jesus is kind of like, yeah, you should drive the speed limit. Maybe just go a mile or two below. Because the thing is, is Jesus does not call us to the edge of right and wrong and say, get as close as you can. And as long as you can maneuver and keep away from 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 crashing and making the wrong mistake, you're good. No, he doesn't say that. But my brain does. Brian, even though you might say the wrong thing, these people need to know the truth. Brian, your anger is justified. It needs to come out. Or, or Brian, don't don't worry so much. Just be yourself. Brian, you really just you need to vent. All of these these things, it's these, it's these are moments in my head that are like, go and take the risk, and it'll probably be okay. Take the risk in saying those things. And, and, and the sin in my heart would like for me to think that there's no decision made. That because of the circumstances, it's worth the risk. That I'm acting as I should. But, but, but no, Jesus says something very different about careless, angry, and hurtful words. I'm sure he would say it about driving as well, but, but let's focus just on the words because the reality is, is like we, we are in this moment of crashing the car and Jesus says, no, 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 don't, don't be careless. Okay, and, 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 and we're going to read here, and this is something that Jesus said to the Pharisees in response to, to them making some, some pretty careless accusations about him. In Matthew 12, we read that Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is known by its fruit, brood of vipers. How can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from his storeroom of good, and an evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. I read that every careless word they speak part, and it's like, okay. Like, that just, that shut down everything that I was trying to justify. And, and, and see, Jesus here, he's, he's responding to an accusation from the Pharisees. And, 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 and what they said was pretty careful. They, they actually said, hey, you're, you're, we think you're from the devil. We, we, uh, we think that you're healing all these people using the power of the devil. And they actually called him ruler of demons. And, and although we aren't the Pharisees looking in Jesus' face making that accusation, I don't think there's that, that's a good reason for us to not look at what Jesus just said and be like, man, we need to take seriously the things that we say. Jesus makes clear there is a connection that that careless, whether calculated or not, but careless words have a connection with our heart. That there is a connection between the words we say and the state of our heart, of our being. And coming back to today's passage and seeing this thread continue, James isn't only warning us about the power of our words and the need to control it. 
He, like Jesus, is teaching that there is a direct connection between what we say and what's inside of us. And he is also telling us that, that there is a physical way in which we can influence the course of what is in our hearts. We can influence our hearts by controlling the, the way that we speak. And Paul digs a little bit deeper in his letters to the Ephesians on this, and he says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another. No foul language. And what, what, what follows this statement? The next word that Paul says after this, he says, therefore. And therefore means because of that. Okay, so, so the next statement we're going to read, he's pointing backwards. He's pointing at this passage and he's saying, because of that. Because of bringing kindness and compassion to one another, because of forgiving, because of speaking words that are good, because of striving to not grieve the Spirit, because of, of, of working to reflect the forgiveness that God has given you, because of your controlling of your tongue and speaking as one forgiven, therefore, therefore be imitators of God, as dearly loved children and walk in love, as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. I think we all here want to be imitators of God, and he says, therefore, be imitators of God. He says these things, therefore, because of that, be imitators of God. And, and what we see here is, it, it, I think that James is bringing together, is he's saying because of talking like that, because of talking in those, those ways that are Christ-like, that is how we can be imitators of God. When we control our tongues, we will become imitators of God. And, and what we see throughout Scripture is that when we imitate His ways, we draw near to Him. We're able to be closer to Him. So let's keep going, going in, 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 in James 3. And let's look at another, another important danger of the tongue. And I think, again, we'll be able to, to take the danger and see how taking it seriously can bring us closer to God. In James 3, 5 to 6, it says, Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself on fire by hell. Thinking back to the Fast and the Furious movies, one of the things that, that, that we probably don't think about when we watch this kind of fast-paced action movie and you can take Fast and Furious, you could take James Bond, you could take whatever movie, the Transformers, where there's action and, and risks are being taken. Just, just think about that. The one thing that those, that those movies don't address, that we probably just don't even think about, is the carnage that is left behind in the wake of all that careless action. And yeah, it's, it's a movie, I get it. It's not in the plot. That's not supposed to be part of the plot. But, but in real life, when, when I think about me and in the moment when I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to take this crazy risk and say these things and hopefully it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It's not just like, well, you know, the carnage wasn't a part of the plot of my movie, so it doesn't exist. 
No, in, in real life, when we speak careless words, when we lie, when we deceive others and, and gossip and mock people and, and are inconsiderate or, or, or just, just simply rude or, or angry, when, when we come to, to the end of our movie, that carnage is there. The hurt is there. We, there is pain that is left behind. So when our passage says, consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest, the tongue is a fire, when that fi fire finally goes out, what's left? When a fire rips through a forest, igniting the trees and brush, and it finally goes out, what is left? When your words are like a fire, and they burn things up, what is left? The book of Proverbs has no shortage of warnings of what could be left. It says, a dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer spreads close friends. It talks, it says, he always plots evil with perversity in his heart. He stirs up trouble. An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered one increases rebellion. A worthless person digs up evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. And the last one that we'll see here, it says, as charcoal from embers and wood for fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. Our words can be a fire of destruction in our communities if we do not watch what we say. Whether that community is our family, whether it is our group of friends, whether it is our workplace, whether it is our church, our community, how we speak matters. And if I can take this a step further, how we disagree matters. I will point out that nowhere in these verses does it say that we all need to agree on everything. Okay, when, when we're seeing this, like, hey, tame your tongue, control what you're saying, it isn't saying, oh, and by the way, like, everything's fluffy, and if you do that, y'all will agree. No. Church, as long as we're on, on this side of heaven, we're going to disagree on some things. We're going to be hurt by one another. We're going to do stupid things, and we're going to make mistakes. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, it, 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 that's okay that we might not have the same opinion about everything. But please, I beg you, do not let your difference or the hurts that you've experienced turn into words that spark the fire that burns down unification in Christ. Whether it's a difference of opinion or a response to foolishness, neither is a good reason to set fire to our relationships. Through, whether through gossip, pride, anger, slander, none of them are good reasons. I pray that we can set aside our pride and look at these passages and see the damage we can do, but also see what won't happen if we control our tongues. If we go back to Proverbs, the verse right before the one that was just up, it says, without fire, sorry, without wood, fire goes out. Without a gossip, conflict dies down. Let's be a part of, 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 of dying that fire down, right? Without careless words, the fire goes out. That, that, that is what we want. And if I, can, if I can stick on this point for a little bit further, and if I can go on a side quest, if that's okay, a little side quest here. Um, talking about, and I'm just going to talk briefly about something that I haven't talked about before. Um, and I, but I think going through this passage, it's important to do that. And if Tyler's watching online, um, hopefully I'm not making you too nervous right now, Tyler, with what I'm about to say. I'm nervous, but it's going to be okay. But, but, but for just a very brief moment, I'm going to talk about politics. Okay? Now, don't leave. 
don't get out your phone and be like, I'm going to record this guy saying something stupid. It's all recorded. You can go later and rewatch. But just, just bear with me, okay? Just bear with me. Okay, I know some of you shuddered a little bit. Some of you joked. Some of you were joking, and you were like, oh. But, 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 but I just, I ask that you'll, you'll track with me, okay? Because I, I think this, this will apply. And if you're like, I'm not into politics, so whatever, um, I think that this will still apply, okay? Let's think about those verses in Proverbs we just read, okay? Think about James's warning about people's words being like a wildfire. And, and, and a lot of us have, have, have may, maybe politicians or, or political figures that, that you, you probably relate to and agree with, okay? Uh, but I want us to consider this. Just because you agree with a political figure's policies or opinions or campaign strategy doesn't mean that you necessarily have to imitate the way that they talk about it, okay? Because let's get real. Sometimes politicians, some politicians... Or sometimes just in a moment, or, or sometimes some of them, all the, who knows. But sometimes the words, whether they're a local person or national, to put it bluntly, they can be mean. They can be angry or, or hurtful or divisive or mocking or foolish or inconsiderate. And I'm sure you just thought of a hundred people. And great, that's fine. But, 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 but let, I want you to think about you for a second now. Because regardless of whether they're right or wrong, they, 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 can, they can come off that way. They can speak in that way. And, and so when you hear someone you relate to or support talking about political issues or policies or whatever, just because you agree with them doesn't mean that you also have to agree with the way that they are communicating those opinions, let alone imitate the way that they're talking about it. And I say this because, because well, well, politicians, they're not always known for speaking in a kind or gentle manner or building others up. And that's, that's a, I'm not sweating that. And I know for myself in my life, when there, there have definitely been, been figures where I'm like, I agree with you. And sadly, when they have spoken about the thing we agree about in a way that, that was not kind or, or it was not graceful, I've been like, well, I agree with them, so the, that must be how, I, that's just how I'm going to talk about it as well. And, and, and that was not what I should have done. Because as believers in Christ, we are called to speak in a way that is gentle, in ways that are kind, forgiving, loving, and building others up. So my challenge for, for me, and this is a challenge for me, okay, and, 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 I, and, and I'm, I offer it up for you to accept as well on, on, on the little side quest here, but, but, but really to, to consider this challenge. How can we as Christians talk about the issues that are important to us in a way that honors God and honors others? How can we as Christians talk about the issues that are important to us in a way that honors God and honors others? That's it. I'm not going to talk about politics anymore. We'll put it away, but I really do want you to consider that. And the, these, these things aren't all easy. When we read the passage at the beginning, it was pretty clear, like, man, this one's, the, the temperature in the room might go up a little bit. But James's commission for us to control our words, he's not communicating it lightly because he knows that it's not going to be an easy conversation. And let's, I want to jump back into the passage and finish it and, and, and kind of bring it home here and, and, and take a look a little bit at where it fits in, in, in the bigger picture. It says, Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Father, and with it we curse people we, who are made in his likeness. Man, guys, I am so guilty of that so many times. 
Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things would, should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt water spring yield fresh water. James finishes this section of the letter by talking about the dysfunction between the source of our words and what comes out of it. He holds up these imposing expressions of our heart, and he, he's like, hey, like with the tongue, we're going to bless the Lord our Father, and then we're also going to curse people who are made in his likeness. And, and, and if you did not know this, you are made in the image of God. Scripture tells us you are made in the image of God. And whoever you see and talk to, they are made in the image of God. And that's why it, it, it puts those up. Like, how can we talk to God one way, but then talk to those made in his image another? And although he plays with this idea of how spring water can't be sweet and bitter, and it's a seemingly impossible idea, for me, I'm like, no, I get it. Because I, at one moment, bless the Father, and at another moment, I say horrible things. To me, it makes sense because... Honestly, that feels like the experience of sin that I'm in. One minute I am worshiping, the next minute I am being careless. One of the, 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 the places for me that, that I've, I've struggled with, with careless talk um, that, that, that doesn't feel like it lines up is, is sometimes for me it's self-talk. Sometimes I can just say really mean things about myself. I can say really mean things to myself. And, and, and I remember this, there, there was this time in my life where, where I would, I would, I would even, I got to the point where I was looking in the mirror and just saying things and just tearing myself down because I, I don't know why I felt like I, well, I don't know why I did that. And, 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 and I would just reach as deep in the pockets of mean things I knew how to say and I'd pull them out and I'd say things I would never say in front of anyone else, but I was like, oh, I can say it to myself. And, and, and the thing was, is, is one day, Someone said to me, like, Brian, you know, they, they heard me saying some things. And they're like, Brian, like, you know, the things that you say are a reflection of the state of your heart. And, you know, the person you're talking to is someone made in the image of God. And, and, and when, when that was told to me, that that was crazy because I, I, I wanted to be able to say those things and also be like, yeah, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I don't say mean things to other people. But instead it was like, oh, my goodness, I have a rottenness in my heart. I, 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 I don't look at myself in the way that God made me. And, and what happened is I, I, I stopped. It was, didn't just happen overnight, but I, 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 for the first time, I really felt like I was able to stop saying mean things to myself. And that doesn't mean that, that those things don't pop up in my head anymore. But what was crazy is that as I started to stop letting those things bubble up, when I started to say, oh, maybe I'm not going to go to the mirror and just say horrible things. But when I started to think, oh, man, I don't want that to be the state of my heart. You know what actually happened? The state of my heart began to change. When I stopped saying those things, I, I, I was able to, to recognize that, that those things weren't true. I, I, I experienced the crazy connection between what I say actually has an impact of what's inside of me. What I was saying wasn't true. It wasn't how God saw me. It wasn't how God looks at his creation. But it wasn't until I stopped talking that way that I was actually able to start really believing that and seeing that. And I think that's what James is revealing here. 
And I don't know for you what the, what, what the words are. Maybe for you it's like, gosh, I can't believe I talk to my colleagues that way. I can't believe I, I talk to my kids that way or that I, that I write those things on Facebook. Or maybe it is I can't believe I talk to myself that way. But, but, but I think what James is revealing here is that, yes, the spring water and the bitter water don't mix but you can't go and look at the bitter water. You can't just look at your heart and be like, I need to just go sit in the corner and sort my heart out, and then hopefully it'll stop. No, he says well, the way that it stops is that you stop talking about it. You stop talking in a way that produces that bitter water, and that will actually change your heart. There, 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 yeah, guys, there, there, there we're, we're sinners. And, and until, until Christ returns, we're going to wrestle with sin. But how amazing that there is a very clear and real way that Scripture says you can, you can turn down and control and silence a lot of the sin that's inside of you just by changing the way that you talk. And, and, and that's why I, I, I said earlier, James isn't talking about this to shame us. He's talking about this because he's like, no, 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 like there's really, really good things that can happen. Yes, we have to, to, to be aware of and address our sin, but when we do that and when we make a change, we will experience not only a controlled life, but we will experience a life closer to our Savior. So now, now, that, now when, I, when I look at myself in the mirror, I see something very different. Now when I look at other people, I see something very different. The state of my heart has changed because that's what I needed to hear was not my truth, but God's truth. Jesus came into this world and God proved his love for us by having, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. You can't say a mean thing about yourself and, and, and then read that as well. Because the worst thing that you've ever done, the worst thing that they, whoever they are, has ever done, Jesus, while we were still sinners, while they were still sinners, he died for us. So whatever that horrible thing you're saying is, Jesus, oh, I, I died for that. And, 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 and as soon as we can stop saying those things, we can start seeing it as like, oh my gosh, like Christ came and died and saved us. And that's what I needed to hear, and I, I know that's what you need to hear, and that's what the world needs to hear. That's the gospel. That, that God sent his son because he is making things new. He has made you new. He says, believe in me and I will make you clean. Not only has he just made us new, but, but, but that newness is with him. Therefore, he commands us to speak in a way that acknowledges his truth and not ours. God commands us to speak in a way that acknowledges his truth and not ours. And in doing that, the state of our heart will change. His truth that says man is made in the image of God. His truth that says love is greater than all things. The truth that says <clears throat> no one is too far from our Savior and his saving hand. The truth that, that, that he is working all things for his good. And that his son will return and make all things new that he will reign forever. He desires for us to, to share that truth, and in sharing that truth, that truth will be inside of us, and we will believe it. And when we rid ourselves of sinful, sinful speech, he desires, and what will succeed, is that we will grow into the salvation that we have received from him. 
In 1 Peter, it says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Rid ourselves of all that really, just the stuff we shouldn't be saying. And what happens? Like newborn infants desire the milk of the word, so that by it you may grow into your salvation. Guys, when we change the way we will talk, we will desire the word of God, and we will grow into our salvation. Friend, if you believe in Jesus, you are saved, and God is like, I want you to grow into the salvation that I have given you. And clearly, a key way that he does that work is when we change the way we talk. So friends, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're saved. He calls us to control our speech. And I just want you to remember, you guys, you are saved by grace, and God wants you to experience that, because you see, that's part of how this faith and work thing comes together. We're saved, and he is like, let's do some work, and he wants us to be a part of the work he's doing in you. So I'll leave you with this. When we control our tongues, we will see our hearts changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we will experience more of our Savior as we grow in his likeness. I'm going to say that one more time. When we control our tongues, we will see our hearts changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we'll experience more of our Savior as we grow in his likeness. Let's pray before we enter into worship here again. God, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you that, that there is a way in which we can go that will draw us near to you, Lord. How beautiful that, that you have sent your Son, that by your power we are saved, yet you say, I want you to be a part of the process of getting close to me. So God, I pray that today we would run to you, Lord. And that we would be reminded that running to you looks like controlling what we say. Not because it's about rules, but because we will see our hearts changed in that. And I pray that that would be true for us, Lord. And I pray for those, God, today who are like, I don't, I just, how? There's so much to overcome. Or maybe in a few days that there might be something they realize, like, man, I didn't realize that this was a struggle, but it is. God, I pray that they would not give up that they would remember that they are filled with your spirit and that your spirit is strength and that you are not impatient with them, but that you love them, that you are working all things for your good and that their drawing near to you is for your good, God. May they remember that, Lord. We thank you, God. We praise you and we pray all of this in Christ's name.